0: are some good things about social distancing and all these hoops we have to jump through is I have people sitting in the front row. So <laughs> that does, doesn't happen too often in a Baptist church, so I'm very, very thankful for that. Um, I kind of have a small dilemma at where I am in the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, we, we've, as we've mentioned the past fo- couple of weeks, we've, we've entered the second half of the book of Ecclesiastes, Uh, Solomon has changed his focus from looking at below the sun living to now looking at above the sun living. I mean, the first half of the book, Solomon's focused on life on earth. He talked about, you know, uh, humanity and the physical type of life, the everyday grind of what we go through. And he followed each one of those paths to its very end, and remember what his conclusion was. Vanity of vanities, empty, shallow. There is no purpose here in this physical world here today. Now, Solomon, as we've gotten to the second half of the book, has changed his focus. Uh, but with the change of his focus, you'll also see that he changes the style in which he is writing. Um, he is expressing wisdom more along the lines now of the book of Proverbs. Proverbs. You know, a proverb, a short, pithy truth that that come at us one right after another, after another, after another. Um, You know, proverbs are great. Matter of fact, uh, just coincidentally, I'm in the book of proverbs right now as I've been, you know, doing my reading through the Bible in a year, do it chronologically. I happen to fall into the book of proverbs and the proverbs are tremendous. The problem is if you read four chapters of proverbs at one time, you get 150 truths and thoughts. I mean, I shouldn't say a problem, I mean, they're not made to necessarily, you know, just read and, and go on and read another and read another and read another. They're, they're made to stop and to meditate on them and, and to think about them. Um, you know, they speak to the very nature of man. They speak to the realities of, of what our life is like down here and, and how we navigate this life. How are we supposed to live? These are universal truths that are applicable today as well as they were 2,500 years ago when they were written. Um, a good example of that, Ecclesiastes Asses chapter 10, verse 2. This is an election year, and here's a good one for election. the election year. A wise man's heart directs him towards the right, but the foolish man's heart directs him towards the left. Okay? <laughs> I debated including that verse. <laughs> Uh, so, but anyway, you know, it, 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 they're, they're universal truths that they were true in Solomon's time 25 years ago. They were true in the time of Christ. They were true 500 years ago. They're true today because they speak to the nature, the, the, the heart of man. Maybe the, the, the scenery changes, but the truths do not change. So the dilemma that I kind of come into is that, you know, each proverb is a sermon in and of itself. And for the most part, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11 is filled with these proverbs. proverbs. Some of them are connected together, but there are just a lot of wisdom and a lot of truth. I mean, Solomon had been, you know, in the first part of the book in despair and emptiness and purposeless. And now he is coming to above the sun. He is finding God. And and he is giving us these truths. and, And all of these truths are great But they could take a year to preach through. So, uh, you know, the dilemma and what I've looked at is I have decided to take some of the highlights um, from this book. I've already, in chapter 8, preached a message, chapter 9. And I'm only going to take one more message from chapter 10 and 11. Actually, it's going to be in chapter 11 here before we move on. But I want to encourage you to go back and read the book of Ecclesiastes. I want to encourage you to go a little bit slower through this because, you know, similar to the book of Proverbs, these things are speaking to our nature. And I love this portion that we're going to be in today from Ecclesiastes 11. This is probably one of my favorite portions of Scripture from the Old Testament because it's going to give us some great wisdom for life. Very practical, very meaningful things. You know, this is a this, this scripture, this truth, this encouragement is a breath of fresh air in the midst of the selfish, greedy world in which we live. And these are words today that God wants us to live by because they're words that can change your life today. Now with that, let me ask you some questions. Right now, where you're at, not, not where you're at physically right now, but just where you're at in life, what are you doing with your life? What's the purpose of your life? You know, where where is your life heading? You know, on the trajectory that it's at, where is it heading? What what type of things are you waiting for? What type of things are you working for in your life? If I think about it, so much of our life seems to be lived waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to change. We all have that, you know, yeah, we're, we're struggling now, but when this happens... You know, when you get that mortgage paid off, or when I, you know, get that promotion, or when the kids are gone, or when I have kids, or, you know, and we're all waiting for something that's going to happen in this life, under the sun, that somehow is going to to change our life. Now, I'm told that there is a sign along one of the, the roads in Alaska, one of the remote roads, and the sign says, choose your rut carefully because you'll be in it for the next 200 miles. And I think a lot of times, that would describe some of our lives, isn't it? You know, we kind of adopt that saying. We endure life's up and downs until the day when we can sigh and slip into a rocking chair. And we find our lives in this cycle and in this rut. How can it be different? How can we change our lives? How can we get out of that rut? Well, the last major section of Solomon's journal um, is kind of combating selfish lifestyle, drawing us to God, drawing us from below the sun to above the sun. And, and if I could summarize it in three commands, I mean, if you read, when you read these Proverbs and, um, you know, these verses slower, God is really calling us as Christians to be bold, to be joyful, to be godly in our lives. Yes, this life is an endless cycle. Yes, this life is but a breath that is here and then it passes away. But God has given us that breath. God has given us that life. And he's given you your life for a purpose. And through this beautiful Hebrew poetry that we have today in in chapter 11, uh, God gives us four commands in these passages. And each command is a strong contrast to maybe what the world is teaching today. So let's just take each and every one of those, and then we'll kind of tie them together. Command number one. Instead of protecting yourself, you need to release yourself. Instead of protecting yourself, release yourself. It says in verse one, it says, Cast your bread on the surface of the water, for you will find it after many days. Literally, this is, what is this telling us is don't hoard your life somehow thinking that it's so important for you to protect your life and the things in your life. He's telling you to release your life. This was an an ancient Arabic proverb that was handed down from generation to generation to generation. Fathers would take their children and teach them the value of releasing their lives into other people. Don't hoard your life. I'm not sure, but perhaps Solomon heard this proverb from his father, David, that gave him this advice. You see, there's so much value to teaching our children to cast their bread upon the water. Literally, again, it's a poetic way of releasing your life, giving it, pouring your life out to others. And the promise that goes along with this lesson is a great one. He says, for you shall find it in many days. When you cast your bread upon the water, you release your life Ultimately, you're going to find it in many days. There is something remarkable about God's faithfulness in bringing our lives back to him and back to us with any number of benefits and and blessings. I mean, think about the disciples as they were walking with Jesus Christ. These are men who cast their bread upon the water. They walked away from their fishing businesses, from their homes, the comfort of their community, and, and they came to Christ. And they asked him about this at one point. And Remember what Christ told them in, in, in Luke chapter 18? It says, Peter said to him, Behold, we have left our homes, and we have followed you. And he said to them, Truly I say to you that there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times as much at this time and in the age to come receive eternal life. You see, a life given to God is a life with many returns. Second command, and again, these kind of piggyback off each other. The second uh, command or advice that he gives us is rather than hoarding, give and invest. Give and invest your life. Again, verse 2. It says, divide your portion to seven or even to eight. Eight. For you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Now, in, in today's vernacular, it would say diversify, diversify your life. You know, let the benchmark of your life be generosity, bold, unselfish generosity. Pour your life into other people. And Again, this is a kind of a, a, a complementary proverb to verse 1, where it says to to cast your bread upon the water. Give of yourself to others. One of the authors I read on this, he put it like this. He says, make duplicate keys for your life. Hand them out to many people. Let them into your life. Invest in many people. And folks, there is a great danger to that when you open up your life, when you pour your life into other people, when you become a servant of other people and you care about other people. I mean, there's a, there's a great risk. But once again, that casting the bread upon the water, ultimately in finding ourselves in who we are and our purpose, why God has created us, why he has us here. God says, I can I can let you know. I'm going to let you know by the giving of yourself, you're going to come to know yourself and who you are. Now, and again, I just remind you, this doesn't mean just your friends and family. This doesn't mean just the people who are close to you or the people you like. Remember some of those Proverbs that I mentioned? Uh, that he writes, there's, there's there's great proverbs on this subject. Proverbs 19 verse 17, he says, the one who is gracious to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his good deeds. Proverbs 21 13, he who shuts his ear to the cry of the poor will also cry himself, and not be answered. You see, that's why these these proverbs, this wisdom, is so important for us to teach our children. To teach our children to invest, to invest, to invest in people. Touch other people's lives. I mean, verse 17 there, what great value is there is in reaching out to the poor. Reaching out to the needy. The simple fact is they may never be able to pay you back. They may never be able to do a single thing for you. But God says when you do this, you are lending to the Lord. It's like you're lending to the Lord. And he will pay you back. I would just love to have God indebted to me. Not indebted to me. I mean, I owe the debt to him. But that's the picture that he has here. God says, I'll take care of it. You're just worried about the investing part. You worry about the pouring your life into others part. Proverbs 21:13. I mean, it talks about if, if, on the negative way, if we turn, you know, from the cry of the needy, someday we will cry in need. And there's not going to be anyone to answer us. And I believe that's what Solomon was trying to express in the last part of verse 2 there. He says for you do not know what misfortune may occur on this earth. I mean, you know, you don't know if your circumstances are going to change. And those people whom, you know, you've been pouring your life into and seem, you know, that's all you I'm giving, I'm going and I'm doing, and suddenly God gives them the chance to be there for you. You know, the great wisdom Great wisdom for us to teach our children. Third thing. In the place of just drifting through life, we need to pursue, we need to be purposeful in our lives. Verse 3 and 4. If clouds are full, they pour out rain upon the earth. And whether a tree falls towards the south or towards the north, wherever a tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind will not sow, and he who looks at clouds will... Will not re- reap. So, so, in contrast to the first two people in the Proverbs we talked about that are, you know, casting their, their bread upon the water, they're diversifying, they're pouring themselves into seven, into eight, wherever they have that opportunity, I believe these Proverbs are talking about people who don't invest, who don't look outside of themselves. You know, they occupy themselves with only the everyday cares of their living in their life food shelter clothing sleep you know and nothing wrong with those things but they never get beyond those things you know they they're making a great living but they're not really making a life and there's a difference between the two they watch the rain they worry about the wind a tree falls, whether it falls to the north, to the south, where it falls, there it lies. There's nothing you can do about it, you know. And just kind of, kind of observing what's going on, never breaking out of the everyday living, to pursue or to sow in other's life. In other words, what's happening is going is going to happen. And somehow we have it in our mind that you know, when we get into this adulthood, that somehow, you know, we scratch out a living for 45 years until we retire. And then we just rest our lives away from that point out. And it's so easy for us to enter into one of those 200-mile ruts in our life and never get out of it. God says if you do that, you will not sow or you will not reap. He who watches the wind will not sow. He who looks at the clouds will not reap. And I thought about this this past week as I was kind of going over all of this. The neat thing about these verses and these Proverbs, we're talking about teaching them to our children, but one of the neat things is I don't see an age limit on this advice. These are good advice for our kids. These are good advice for you. This is good advice for me. I mean, nowhere does it say that you're going to reach an age when no longer should you be sowing. In other people's lives. No longer should you be investing in other people's lives. No long should, no longer should you be casting your bread upon the water. There's no age limit here. You know, it's interesting. John Wesley, you know, a name we're all familiar with, John Wesley. He was 88 years old, and he was still preaching the gospel. Elegant, powerful. Michelangelo, at the age of 66, painted one of the most popular paintings. Of the Last Supper. 65 year old Norman Bright ran the Boston Marathon in two hours, 59 minutes, and 59 seconds. 65 years old. I'm lucky to make it (laughs) in that time to my refrigerator. (laughs) I mean, here's a man who didn't stop. Benjamin Ryrie, who was a missionary to China, uh, the China Inland Missions, he learned New Testament Greek when he turned 80 years old. See, the idea here is, what are you doing standing around watching the wind? What are you doing waiting for something to happen? The idea is to invest. The idea is to sow your life, diversify your life into many other people. You know, some of these seeds, you know, are going are, are to, they, they're going to take root and they're going to, you know, reap a harvest. Some aren't going to. But if you're just standing there watching the wind and watching the clou- clouds fill up, And you're not moving. You're not investing. You know, nothing is going to happen. You know, that that saying that God, you know, it's easier to steer a moving vehicle. You know, so we've got to be moving. We've got to be doing, and God will do something. And there are people all around us today, all around your neighborhood. If you go into a workplace, there are people at work who need Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There are people that are hurting what are you waiting for? What are we standing around watching? You know, waiting for that purpose opportun- perfect opportunity, waiting for them to come and talk to us and ask us, hey, by the way, what's the meaning of life? You know, you know when I die, you know, how do I know to go to heaven or hell? Are we waiting? Or are we pouring our lives into other people around us? I mean, who's the last life that you touched for Jesus Christ? I mean, aside from salvation and leading someone to the Lord or witnessing, but who is the last, the last time that you poured yourself into somebody for Jesus Christ? Life is more than food. Life is more than clothing and shelter. There is a God who wants so much for you, who, who wants you to, to sow, to cast your bread upon the water, to invest in other people. And yes, at times it may be hard, It might be easier, it might be safer for you to stick it close to home, to forget God, to forget putting yourself out there for other people. But again, verse 4, he who watches the wind will not sow. He who looks at the clouds, he will not reap. We want to reap. We want our lives to be changed. We want our lives to have meaning and purpose. That's the reaping. There's got to be the sowing. Fourth truth, an alternative to doubting is trusting what God is doing in your life. Can you trust right now what, you're, what, what is going on in your life? Can you trust God for it? Can you trust God in it? Verse 5 and 6. He says, just as you do not know the path of the wind and how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, so you do not know the activities of God who makes all things. Sow your seed in the morning and do not be idle in the evening, for you do not know whether morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. So the, the, the fourth piece of wisdom here starts by telling us to trust the living God with our lives. Trust God. You may not understand, you may not necessarily even agree, but trust God. Start there. The God who knows all about what tomorrow will bring, that is aware of everything going on and everything that is coming down your way, we're to trust in him all of our lives. You know, again, he's using poetic language here, you know, he says, in the morning, uh, you know, kind of a a picture of early on in the years of your life, and, and certainly, you know, young people, I would encourage you, you know, don't wait until a certain thing happens in your life that you graduate and that you're, you know, done with your enjoying life. Then, then you know, I'm going to be like my parents, and I'll settle down. And No, he said, in the morning, early on in your life, invest, seek after God. Uh, in the evening, he says, in the later years of our life, you know, don't have a do not disturb sign on your life. You know, still trust in God. It doesn't matter how old you are. Get involved. Let not your hand be idle, he tells us. Why? Because for you do not know whether the morning or evening sowing will succeed or whether both of them alike will be good. We don't know what God is going to do at any time in our life. And, folks, God has not put any of us on the shelf. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, God says that, you know, at any time, he can bring the harvest in your life. You know, I, I brought to mind that old gospel song, Bringing in the Sheaves. You know, we don't, we don't sing it very often today, but, you know, sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noontime and the dewy eve. Just sow, get out there and invest. And again, I, I thought about this this past week and. You know, this whole situation over this last two months has given a little different perspective and a little different connection with, with some people that I've had a chance to talk to. And, and I am amazed at how many people in this church pray for the church body. There are some people, I'm not going to call them out by name because that's not why they're doing that, that every single day they pray for every single one of us. That's sowing, folks. I mean, it'd be easy just, you know, to to, to focus on, you know, retirement life. But to stop and to pray and to be used of God and believe God can still do something today, still do something through their prayers. You see, God wants us sowing. He doesn't want us fixed and erupt. So let me me, kind of wrap this up whole section up with a challenge, and you can kind of see how these things are connecting here. Number one, start activating your life today for God and never quit. Look around you to do something for Jesus Christ today, to do something in someone else's life. It could be big, it can be small, but if you're not looking for it, if you're just looking at the things of this life, watching the clouds, watching the wind, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss what God wants to do in you. Second thing, give of yourself to the ministry of Christ in the church. We're not just talking about going out and doing good things, and that's great. Well, we want that cup of cold water, he says, to be given in Jesus' name, that Jesus would receive the glory. It's through that that we receive the purpose of our life. We're investing in the lives of those around us, investing in the lives of the church. That's why I was just so amazed to know that, you know, and the people that come up to me and say that every single day they pray for me, that's, it. That's an investment. And we need one another. I've been so thankful to see our body of Christ during this time reaching out to one another, you know, calling, checking up on one another. Those are all investments. And if you're not doing that, if you haven't done that, whether through this last two months or you know, for the last 20 years, look for a place to invest yourself. And folks, a good place to start is right here in the church family. You know, Christ says they'll know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. God wants people, the world, to be able to look at us and be able to identify us as followers of him by the way we treat each other, by the way that we invest in each other's lives, by the way that we we care for one another. Get involved in the mainstream of the church, not, not in a trickle. You know, get involved in the mainstream. If you're not living your life involved with Christ, what are you involved in that's going to have any lasting value? Don't wait for your life to change. Don't wait for your kids to leave. Don't wait for a time when you have more money or a better job. Now is the time to invest our lives in Jesus Christ. While you're sitting there watching the wind, life, true life, is passing you by. So we kind of started this with a couple of questions. I want to end with two simple questions. What are you sowing today? What are you planting afresh in other people's lives? And the last very simple question, five words. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Father God, I ask you to open our hearts to the world around us. Open our hearts, Father, to people who need Christ. Open our hearts to ways that we can invest you lord in other people's lives i thank you i thank you that i am a child of yours and i know you and my life is is more than the things i amass but anything of value in my life is connected to another soul souls that you have died for that you have loved to yourself souls that you are trying to reach today Help us to search our hearts, each and every one of us here. You're speaking to us. You have something for us today. And I'm not the one to say what it is, Lord, but you are. Speak to us, Lord, your your will and your way. In thy name we pray.